was the night before the election and all through the house not a creature was stirring not even a bolster and all through the house nothing but nerve. can you imagine being a, 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 a we don't have time for the for the theme kill the female that's it that's it uh, and on uh, nights before the election uh, <laughs> you might as well forgive you, you might as well forgive us you might as well also forget trying to do a legitimate show uh, no way uh, 27,000 uh, uh, commercials and all the rest of it. I'm talking not commercials, really, but political, uh, quote, messages. And uh, you might as well accept that. And, and, you know, I'll tell you, one of the, uh, if you think that's bad, let me tell you something about this. I'm, I might as well go use this as the, the theme of tonight's effort. But I once knew of a radio station one time. A fascinating thing happened in that station. Uh, this one uh, certainly is not in that position, and a lot of others are, and none of them that I know of in New York are in this situation. But uh, a friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine, worked at a station one time, and uh, it was a station in a fairly, you know, not a small town. Don't think in terms of, uh, say, uh, East Morristown, New Jersey, or something. This is a you know, fairly big city in the Midwest, fairly big town, really, not a, not a, not a, say, for example, a Detroit or an Indianapolis. These are big cities. Uh, he worked in a fairly a, a town about roughly the size, let's say, of Trenton. Right? It's not an enormous city. It's uh, you know a nice sized town. Anyway, uh, it was an, just like this. It was the night before the election, and uh, he was he was the nighttime guy on uh, this radio station. They also had a uh, a little TV operation going, but he happened to be in the radio side that night. And uh, they had this, uh, you know, it was a radio. And, he, and at night, when he was on, you may not know this, but many radio stations at night, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean small stations. We're not talking about small towns either. Many radio stations at night, there's only one or two guys around them at night. There may be an engineer, maybe one or two engineers often. The one guy's taking a break and another guy's uh, running the board or stuff. And then there's uh, usually uh, uh, an announcer who's shows on duty, and uh, he, he, especially if the station ever carries network stuff or, or uh, syndicated shows and stuff, and there's only one guy there, see? So this was the case in this radio station. It was just him and the engineer this night. And it was the night before the election. Now, in this town <laughs> that he was in, naturally, there were two political parties. There was one party, Party A, who was uh, in power, and there was Party B, who was, uh, you know, uh, trying to get in power. And uh, Party B was going around saying, route the rascals out. And this went on every year. See, the regular party thing. See, but the only thing about this town was that this town was a town, was a very interesting town. It was a town in which practically everything was totally wide open. You know what they call a wide open town? You ever heard the expression, wide open town? Well, a wide open town is wide open. It's just well, like Times Square is wide open, you know? That's as opposed to, let's say, uh, a Gramercy Park is not. <laughs> I mean, if all of a sudden 45 guys open pointy joints on Gramercy Park, you'd be astounded, you know, or on Sutton Place or something. But the, the thing is, this town was wide open, okay? I mean, there were 14,000 bars in one block. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the, the main industry of this town was bars. Now, not just bars. I mean, every bar, they didn't just sell booze. I mean, they sold a lot of stuff that went with it. 
I mean, uh, for example, uh, uh, one one place had uh, had uh, you know porny stuff going on that makes anything any of you seen around here look like a PTA oral hygiene pageant, right? I mean, this was really the big time. I mean, this stuff was going to, and the next place uh, uh, featured just, uh, you know, there's certain bars that are just places for tough guys to go, you know. And uh, tough guys would go there, and every night there'd be a couple of murders, and the smoke would pour out of this joint, you know, and the police would arrive. And all. Of course, since it was a wide-open town, the police never really quite got excited about any of this stuff. They'd, they'd arrive, and a lot of lights would go on, and you'd never hear about the murder again. Uh, it wouldn't even come out in the paper, because the paper was part of the town, too, remember and uh, he knew where his bread was buttered and where his ads were coming from. So it was a wide open town, right? Well, uh, <laughs> and no matter which party was in, it was wide open. That you got to remember. See, if party A was in, it was wide open, see? If party B got in, there would be a brief flurry while one crowd left the office and went back to the bars and the joints where they worked. You know, the mayor would go down, he'd start running the, uh, you know, the roulette or the pointy game, whatever it was that he was running before, and uh, the other guy would come in, see, and that's the way it was, party A, party B. Well, then all of a sudden, out of the blue, party C announced it was going to start doing this, and party C was the reform party. Well, the reform party is basically to a wide open town, is, is basically the wet blanket party. You know, <laughs> the wet Why do you want to stop all the nice people from having a fun, huh? They want to do this. They want to pay to come in and get rolled. That's their business, right? You know, so that was the the general attitude towards life. So now I've set up the scene, right? You can see this. Well, now it so happened that the only radio station in town was the radio station where my friend worked. Uh, and and uh, my friend, old Bill, see, and Bill was a kindly sort. He was a he was one of these guys that uh, he was. Let's put it this way: he was the Willie Loman type. He was the Willie Loman of of showbiz. You know, there's always guys that are working way out in the outskirts on the fringe. You know, and uh, they're always trying to make the scene. They're, they're, they dream occasionally, or they might have when they were kids. They dreamed one day. You know, the phone ringing, and it's uh, NBC calling from New York. You know, we we heard you on that station break. And uh, you just can't, uh, you just can't stay out of the big town any longer, you know. Come, see. And this is the really Bill was a nice, kindly guy, right? Everybody liked Bill, so Bill was on at night. Naturally, the the nicer the guy, the worse the shift. This is a, this is an absolute rule of thumb in any industry. It never pays to be a nice guy. And if you're working on being a nice guy, friend, you're you're really working the wrong street in uh, in uh, what we call basically a company. Now, this isn't any society. You think it's our system. See, we like to think of it as a... You think that the nice guy working at the at the uh, Minsk Shoe Factory winds up premier? Are you kidding? Get away. <laughs> uh, so, so nice guys the world over wind up working late at night and getting very few coffee breaks. And uh, rarely do, <laughs> you know. So so anyway, here's my old buddy Bill, see, and he's working at night there. Now I had I wasn't working; I just knew him, see, Bill. And so uh, it's the night before election, just like tonight. And uh, the election, in fact, uh, was very interesting because the polls opened the next morning at 6 a.m. Right, legally that is. 
Uh, of course, all the guys that were in Party A and Party B, they knew how to get into the polls earlier, see, and later, too. You know, and They knew how to work all those machines. <laughs> that was another thing. One of the most amazing facets of this town was that if you ever tallied up, you know how they published the, the, the votes, you know, the next day? The votes invariably were anywhere from three to seven times the total population of the town. And uh, nobody quite pointed out the discrepancy. <laughs> and certainly didn't live to point it out again for the next election. So uh, it was a great town. And uh, if, by, if, if you wish to know the name of the town, it'll be sent to you if you're a voter, a, a registered voter over 21. And uh, you have to prove that you're a student of social sciences, and we'll send that the name of the town to you. <laughs> and before we go any further, uh, you want to hear the rest of the story. It's a great story. And, uh, and since this is the night before election, you might as well know the truth, friends. Uh, before we go into that, hit a couple of those big money buttons, please, friend. If you took one big room, and into it you put all the landlords who sing the same old song. I have my course. Now, the tenants got to understand. All the fat cat oil barons. What's wrong with making a profit? It's the American way. This All the narrow-minded executives. We can't promote her. Men have held that job for 40 years. And all the rip-off artists and fast talkers in New York. You'd have a room full of some pretty bad characters. All of whom would have one thing in common. Attorney General Lefkowitz has taken them on. He's forced landlords to pay interest on rent security deposits. He sued seven major oil companies for price fixing. And he's forced some of New York's biggest employers to start hiring more women. If you judge a man not by his friends, but by his enemies, Attorney General Lefkowitz is certainly doing his job. This is your Attorney General, Louis Lefkowitz. I try to do my job in a way that makes people feel like they have a lawyer and a family. Paid for by People for Lefkowitz, 74, John W. Haynes, Chairman. That must be my husband, late for dinner again. He's Louis M. Greenblatt. Right now, he's on the state Supreme Court, but he's up for a promotion to the Court of Appeals. And he's worked very hard to earn it. The New York State and City Bar Associations think enough of Justice Greenblatt to rate him well qualified. Chief Judge Breitel thought enough of Judge Greenblatt to appoint him to his advisory committee on judicial conduct. And his colleagues think enough of Judge Greenblatt to vote him president-elect of the Association of Justices of the Supreme Court. Hi, Dottie. Hello, Lou. I was just about to tell everyone how important the Court of Appeals is. That's true. It's second in importance and prestige only to the United States Supreme Court. Men like Lehman and Cardoza have sat on the New York Court of Appeals. We need judges with experience on that court. I've been a judge for 13 years and a district attorney for six. On November 5th, you'll be the judge. Vote row A for my husband, Louis M. Greenblatt, for the New York Court of Appeals. Paid for by the committee to elect Judge Greenblatt, Frank Chubb, treasurer. Gee, that's kind of a nice little warm family scene there, isn't it? Really, uh, that's the kind of stuff that really gets down in the marrow of the bones, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh well <laughs> oh well but uh, you know I, I make no I, I, believe me I'm uh, no editorializing here I'm just fascinated that's all I mean, so it's like a guy sitting on the outskirts of a giant carnival who keeps watching the ferris go round you know the ferris wheel go up and down and wondering what it's all about why do they keep going up and coming down and they pay to do it well, uh, friends, uh, speaking of paying, we have a note here that I think you may find <laughs> somewhat valuable if you've been shelling out for insurance, and who hasn't been. Monarch Brokerage Limited, representing Countrywide Insurance Company of New York, announces no fault rates if you're single, and it's hard to get insurance these days if you're between the ages of 18 and 25, 
and you've been driving at least a year, and these rates could be yours. Uh, here are some of the rates. Queens, 194 bucks. Nassau, 195 That's $195. Brooklyn, 241 Manhattan, 217 Why, today in a lot of places you pay that for a cheeseburger. South Bronx, $238 in the Piccadilly's Extra. North Bronx, 194 And there's no charge for accidents or tickets if acceptable to the company. And uh, above rates include driver's ed discount. If you know what that means. So you've heard all the rates, right? And they're pretty good. You better find out about it if you're between 25 and 18. The number to call is area 212, and call it tomorrow because the offices are closed right now. Call them between 10 and 9 p.m. They close at 9 there, 10 and 9 p.m., 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. The number is area 212, and the number is 961-6333. That's uh, New York, 212 Nine six one six three three three. That is Monarch, and incidentally, they also have motorcycle rates. If you're driving a bike, you may want to pick up on that. And uh, you want to hear about that little town, huh? It's not named Black Rock. If you're interested, <laughs> although it could very well. Be. You know, a lot of you people see all these things, you know, on TV, and uh, and you you don't. You're very innocent. I think a lot of New Yorkers are very innocent. They really are. You know, they have an idea that out there lies Reader's Digest land. Out there, they're nice, simple, pleasant people who send valentines to each other and and make pumpkin pies, you know. And they want, I, I wonder whether they, they ever put two and two together. They'll see a movie like Bad Day at Black Rock. That didn't happen in Queens or the Bronx. And uh, do they think that's all gone because Spencer Tracy was there, you know, or, or Gary Cooper? They really do. I mean, I'm just curious. I'm asking you, Mark, you know. You really do think that, huh? Let me tell you, friend, there are towns west of Pittsburgh and east of Reno that make Jersey City seem like the Emerald City of Oz. I mean towns, boy. <laughs> now, I'm not talking about the Rod Steiger syndrome. Now, see, that again is another myth. You know, come on, on the car, boy, put your hands on the roof of that car, that stuff. No, I'm not talking about that, friends. I'm talking about something much subtler than that and much more interesting than that. I mean, you know, I mean, the purple gang runs the town. Now, you don't ever see it when you're living in the town. You know, you know, the, the purple gang is not down there, you know, with a with a with a 45 cold automatic, you know, as as uh, standing there by the cash register as you pay your fines. No way. It's, it's much more different than that. <laughs> and this is true in in every in every country in the world. Do you know that they just broke up a, a fantastic gang, uh, a, a gangsters that were running a town in one of the uh, areas of Russia near the Ukraine. Yeah, a bunch of sneaky gang. <laughs> These are sneaky Russian gangsters, you know, sitting around there, and uh, yeah, they were running all kinds of rackets going on. I mean, if you wanted, if you wanted to get yourself on the commissar ticket, you had to come to big, to big Ivan down there, you know, or you got to go see uh, you know, <laughs> Big Ilyich or something, sitting down there waiting to see like a toad. Well, this is a part of human nature. It's a, I wish it were not otherwise, but it is. It's not the American system. We think you get a system that'll clear. Are you trying to tell? me that a system is going to clean up what's called basically from one of a better name sin or is it inbuilt into man it's not in at no point that that the let's say the early writers on the on the sin uh, which go back through Plato's day at no point did they know say about 
the American system. And there's a great illusion among a lot of people that it has to do with the system. Oh, no. Oh, no, friends. Oh, no. And my friend Bill found out about it one, one interesting night in Studio 3. And uh, before we go any further on that, <laughs> speaking of Studio 3, and speaking of the green, green grass of human, uh, let's say, human greed, desire, and wants, it's a commercial time. Today we're in the health and diet section of the Barnes & Noble Bookstore, where you'll find books for your body, books for your mind, and books to help get your whole self together. Honey, here's that book I was telling you about on how to stop smoking. You know, maybe if we both read it, we can stop. It says here they stick needles all over your body to make you feel better. What is it you want to do? Tone up your body, improve your health, increase your self-awareness? Whatever it is, you'll probably find the book you're looking for at Barnes & Noble. We've got books that can teach you the art of sensual massage, how to live with an ulcer, how to take care of your feet, how to think yourself thin, how to exercise, and how to relax. You'll find all this and more at the Barnes & Noble Bookstore, 5th Avenue and 18th Street in Manhattan, the country's biggest bookstore of any kind, and probably the most interesting. I believe you have a book on how to relieve stress and tension. I must have that book! Barnes & Noble, and you thought we only sold textbooks. Ah, Watson, and how was your evening at the theater? Splendid, but how did you know, Holmes, that I was at the theater? Now, Watson, you took your entire family to the Broadhurst Theater, had a magnificent time viewing a thrilling mystery, and afterwards applauded heartily. Holmes, how do you do it? I see five ticket stubs still in your shirt pocket, the program from the Broadhurst Theater still in your back pocket, and your palms are still red from applauding. But how did you know it was an exciting mystery we saw? Elementary, my dear Watson. A play about me is, by definition, a frightfully exciting evening in the theater. Sherlock Holmes, seats now at the Broadhurst Theater. I'm Fran Allison. On nights when you have trouble falling asleep, what are some of the things you do to help? Well, I sleep with my head at the other end of the bed. Sometimes that helps. I eat. <laughs> <laughs> I do relaxing exercises, starting with my toes, and I'm usually asleep before I reach my shoulders. On those occasional nights when you have trouble falling asleep, and exercise and counting sheep just don't seem to work, try Compose. Compose simply relaxes and unwinds you so your body is able to fall asleep more easily. Of course, by falling asleep more easily, you're going to feel better the next morning. So take Compose on those occasional nights when you have trouble sleeping. If you're not satisfied in any way with Compose, mail Compose the box top and they'll send you double your money back. Remember, the more easily you fall asleep, the better you feel the next morning. Compose. Use only as directed. It's guaranteed. This winter, Alitalia gives you the Italian Alps and the one thing every skier wants for his money. More. Italy has more Alps than Switzerland and Austria combined. More long ski runs. And because we're on the southern exposure of the Alps, more hours for you to ski. With Alps like these, it's no surprise the Italian ski team are the world champions. Alitalia offers you one-week ski packages to 17 ski areas in Italy. Some, such as Cervinia, for as little as $444, including round-trip economy airfare from New York, subject to government approval. That's right, four 
$444. Compare that with a week's stay plus airfare from New York to France, Switzerland, or even Colorado. And Alitalia has more non-stop flights to Milan, the gateway to the Alps, than any other airline. For free assistance, call an expert, your travel agent, or call Alitalia. And come to Alitalia's Italy, where you get all you ever dreamed of and more. Yeah, no, there. I knew we'd finally make it. Hey, George. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, I mean, you know, let's face it. We're all in it together. There's no question. There's nobody that's much better than Trenton, right? So I'm talking about morally uh, down, deep down inside. It's, uh, now, that's a very arguable statement, a lot of people would argue. Uh, but uh, the burden of proof is on you. Uh, <laughs> it's just a fact, and uh, I mean I wish it were otherwise. But old Bill, then, uh, so this is the night before election here in town. You know, already. can you imagine now? Right at this point, there's some guys walking around, just you know, just like an, uh, you know, just like a human being, uh, who are candidates, are walking around, and uh, they're about to suffer a catastrophic defeat. <laughs> After all those dreams and those posters, <laughs> you know, there's nothing sadder than to walk around the day after an election and see those same posters still out there. You know, you you, you walk along and you see this guy. You know, he looks out so dynamic, a winner. It says, you know, there was a guy, uh, there was a guy who who ran uh, in one of the recent congressional elections. Kind of sad, you know, and. Uh, he uh, he ran in, in, in the was it the primary we had here yeah he's running the primary see and and I keep seeing this sign it's down on Sixth Avenue it's down in the twenties and it's a big you know dynamic sign you know these guys like to have their picture taken you know with their coat off and their white shirt on you know they're caught in the middle of action you know he's looking really dynamic he's 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 uh, you know striding through the slums and he's about to to to, to cause a miracle to come to pass you know he's got that look about him say <laughs> and and above it you know it's a, the great lie you know above it it says it says for once vote for a winner cloverman you know <laughs> cloverman for congress a true winner and uh, here you see Cloverman saying that he's looking dynamic out of this picture, his white shirt and all that stuff, red, white, and blue all around him. And uh, it's right next to another sad one, right down the street. See, it's down down there towards the village. You get down there, see, and, and there's this building. You know, this is the, it's, a, it's an old ex-store. And above the store, it says, Headquarters for the Cloverman Committee. Of citizens concerned over the future of mankind. <laughs> you know, there it is. See? Well, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> I kept seeing that place down there, you know, and all these people in there making phone calls and hanging up posters, and they had uh, they had their little cars running around with the guys, you know, with the speakers and all. Well, Kluberman ran 23rd in a field of 24, and the only one he beat out was an Airedale. Who was somehow got in the race by mistake, and 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 incidentally rather ran a rather decent race for an Airedale. So <laughs> I wonder, you know, I wonder, you know the, the 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 right now. See, the, it, we're at a very interesting point. You know, we're the day before that there are some guys who figure you know it's going to happen, and uh, to other guys, you know, and then there's other guys too 
because uh, I knew one candidate one time, very seriously, I, I was working in a TV station where the candidates would come in and they'd take a half an hour and they'd do the show, you know, and one night this guy did this show, see, and after it was over, and he was walking out, and I said, you know, that was rather nice talk you gave there. It was really good, you know, and he said, well, he said, uh, he said, I haven't got, he said, no way for me to win. He says, as a matter of fact, he says, I am really sorry I got involved in all this. And I said, well, what, how'd that happen? He said, well, you know, he said, uh, this guy was uh, sort of a half-baked lawyer, you know. He says, uh, uh, one thing and another, and these people came and asked me if I'd run. He said, there's no way to win. He said, you know, no way. Well, he, he really didn't think he was going to win. Well, the next day, the son of a gun won by an unbelievable majority <laughs> out of the blue. <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of, kind of fascinating to see this guy. He had a look of stunned surprise on his face when he was on TV, you know, accepting applauds of the multitudes. And uh, and uh, <laughs> he's still, incidentally, in Washington, this guy. But he never expected to win. So sometimes, you know, it goes the other way. But it more often goes, let's face it, there's more losers than winners. Uh, usually in a race where there's nine guys running for the same candidate, it has to be. <laughs> you know? And they're all excited, you know, and they're cutting their spots. <laughs>
my friend Bill, you want to get back to the story, what happened in BlackRock, okay? Uh, the reform ticket, see, got on, got really got on its high horse. I mean, you know, they really get going. And and for some reason or other, there was this local reference. He got, he really got the, the reform crowd stirred up. Now, the reform crowd was an interesting crowd in this town because, you know, see, because it was very hard to have a reform crowd in this town because the, almost the entire town worked in the joints. I mean, yeah, that's right. You had one whole section was nothing but bartenders. Uh, you had another whole section was nothing but guys that ran the, uh, you know, ran the, uh, the, the crap tables. Uh, they had their own little section of town. It was, you know, just like in New York, you have the Italian section, you have the Jewish section, you have the German section. Well, in this town, you had the bartender section of town. All the bartenders, uh, you know, lived next door to each other and down the, down the street. All the guys that were in the, let's say, houses of ill fame, they had their purple cars out in front, you know, with the, with the, with the white side walls and the chrome, you know, the whole scene. So every time, you know, and, and, and way out in the outskirts of town in this trailer camp, you know, the poor people lived. They were the reform guys, you know. They were the guys that came and cleaned out the garbage once in a while, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. They had no, they weren't, you know, they weren't in it. So the reform reverend got these guys stirred up, and they put up a candidate, and what's more, they seemed to get some scratch. Uh, they had some money, see, and so they started to put up posters. Well, I don't have to tell you, the posters went down quicker than they went up. And and uh, so the posters would go up and they'd go down. See, well, on this particular night, which was the night of the b b the pre-night of the election, right? You got it. See. <laughs> so <laughs> here's my friend Bill, and of course they had all these commercials on. You know, just like in any other town, candidate A appeared, and you should have heard the candidate for party A. See. Uh, so, the, so, you know, he would say things like, he never said he was against uh, rottenness, gambling, corruption, and evil and sin. He, was, he, he would say things like, uh, you know, Candidate A would run on his platform. Well, friends, you've known Big Al for many years. And Big Al is a man who has the community in his heart. And uh, Big Al tonight wants to say a few words on behalf of Party A which has got a candidate in Big Al that they is proud of, and all of you know him. He's grown up in his town, and you all know him, which was undeniably true. Uh, I mean, he was the biggest local gorilla for miles around, and uh, everyone knew it. So he would come on, and he would say, Well, I want to thank all the people who voted for me last year, and as you all know, we had a successful administration this year. Your taxes ain't gone up. Uh, the buses uh, are running uh, on, on uh, State Street, and uh, and we had good weather all summer. And uh, it's been a good administration, and, 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 I, and I'm confident that all the voters are going to get behind me once again, and I want to thank them from the bottom of my heart for them voting for me. Thank you very much. This has been sent to you by the citizens of concerned people for the committee to re-elect Big Al to the mayor. <laughs> Come on, say <laughs> The Citizens Committee, by the way, consisted of three guys named Lefty and a guy named Greasy Thumb. And uh, they they were really, uh, that was a concerned committee, all right. So uh, <laughs> they were really, so on the other hand, you see, uh, Party B would come in, and Party B would come on like this, see. The guy would announce, Party B says, uh, I want to speak to you on behalf of, uh, of uh, Lefty, Lefty O'Toole, who's running for a uh, mayor job. 
on the Pawnee B ticket. That's the honesty, fairness, and reliability ticket. And we now would like to introduce our candidate. Uh, we all know him. Here is Lefty speaking on behalf of his candidacy for mayor. Well, thank you. Well, I, I, I uh, say, uh, you remember seven years ago when I was mayor, uh, uh, we, we, we didn't have no war. Uh, as you remember, uh, uh, there, was a, there was a definite increase in the, the bird population of the town, uh, a 7% increase in birds. Uh, we found also, and during our election, all you remember the time that we fixed the pothole over on 3rd Street, and that pothole been there since Big Al was in the time before that, and we fixed that pothole. And all you people who are getting tired of busting your axles, driving along on State Street, and, and you have trouble with your springs, vote for a candidate that really worries about them potholes. I tell you, I'm the guy that's going to fix up the potholes. You vote for Party B when the election time comes around and put in a candidate who will do something about potholes. Thank you very much. This was sent to you by the concerned citizens. That's the way it went, see. They trade the job back and forth year after year. Well, in the meantime, in came the reformers. And they started out against sin. <laughs> they started against crime and corruption and prostitution. That is like being anti... That's like, seriously, being anti-Chevrolet in Detroit in this town. It was it was a shock ran across. Somebody actually mentioned. <laughs> well, they got some money, the, the the reformers, and they decided to buy some time on the radio. And my friend Bill was on duty that night when the reform candidates came in. They were very serious looking people, you know, they came in with, with a couple of reverends and a couple of nice ladies who were wearing long dresses and the head beads and uh, you know the nice people see and, and so at that point my friend Bill said and now we bring you as a paid political program we bring you the Reverend the Reverend Charles L. Goodhart who is speaking on behalf of uh, the reform candidacy for mayoralty election in this town this is a paid political broadcast and they started and at that point the Reverend gets in there see and he starts out he says Fellow voters, fellow residents of this town, I say to you that this town is rife with corruption. It is rife with evil. Big L, who is winning to take over the reins of the city once again, as we all know, is the leading member of a corrupt administration which has allowed prostitution, which has allowed gambling, which has allowed police corruption in its town, and in fact encouraged it. The other candidate running, oh, and we say running advisedly, because they are working hand in glove with Big Al. Well, he was about ten minutes into his speech when all of a sudden, my friend, who was the only guy in the station, sees four guys in black overcoats and big felt hats standing outside the, the window of control room B. Incidentally, it had a locked door. They couldn't get in, and they're knocking on a window. And he, he just doesn't know what to do, see? The, in, the, in, in, in the studio behind them, the reverend is going like hell, see? 
and he sees these four guys and they had faces that looked exactly like clenched fists you know you've heard that expression that's the kind of these guys had faces that looked like vaguely boiled potatoes you know with cigars sticking out of them and he says what do you want through the glass because come up no no he's not going to come out the door was locked you come out so what do you mean what do you want Smokey Joe wants to talk to you. Oh my God, Smokey Joe. He was truly Mr. Big. Smokey Joe was the guy for whom the two candidates for the mayor's job were working. It's like, you know, you're standing around the corner one day and all of a sudden somebody comes up to you and says, Tough Tony Anastasia wants to talk to you now. What do you do? Well, Bill... Didn't know what to do. At that point, Bill runs to the phone and he calls the manager of the radio station. And he says, he says Mr. Bullard, there's four guys that say they're from a guy named Smokey Joe. You know who Smokey Joe is? At that point, the manager of the station sitting out there, you know, he turned to total jello. Smokey Joe, what do you mean, Smokey? Says, they're here to talk about, they want to talk to you, they want to do something. What do they want? He says, I don't know. Wait a minute. So he puts the phone down and he goes to the glass and says, what do you want? One guy says, Smokey Joe says he wants to buy all the time. Take all them guys off. He wants to buy all the time. He says, here. And he holds up a thousand dollar bill. He says, take the change. Keep it for yourself. My buddy runs back. He takes the phone. He says, Mr. Mr. Bullard, they want to buy all the time on the radio, all the time, all night, all, all the time, to the time of election. They want nobody else on. He's waving a thousand dollar bill at me now, and he's, he's making a funny, he's making a funny gesture with his hand. I think he means if we don't buy it, they're going to burn a joint down or something. Mr. Bullard says, time to slip the money under the door. I take the reverend off now. Tell him we're having trouble with the transmitter. And that ended uh, the political campaign of the Reform Party for that year. And, uh, oh, you want to know who won? You'd be surprised. The candidate from Party B won. Everyone thought Big Al was a shoe-in. Well, you know, didn't bother Big Al. He went back to managing the Riptide. You know, he had a string of girls. He didn't worry about it because he was going to go in in two years, too, you know, so. <laughs> this is WR New York, an RKO general station. Time for the following five-minute program period has been paid for by the New York State AFL-CIO Committee of Political Education to present a recorded address by George Meany, President AFL-CIO. Every American who is eligible to vote should vote next Tuesday. Important United States House and Senate contests, gubernatorial races, and state legislation positions are at stake. There is a long tradition of trade union involvement in political education and political action. We try to get union members and voting age members of their families registered. We attempt to inform them on the issues and on the records of the candidates. We make every possible effort to get them out to vote on election day. 
We sincerely believe that the greater the participation of citizens, the stronger this country becomes. And we have learned, too, that the welfare of our members and their families is every bit as dependent on what happens at the ballot box as to what happens at the collective bargaining table. Like all other Americans, we engage in politics because we believe that the well-being of the nation and all its people requires certain things. For example, we want to help elect a Congress on Tuesday that will give Americans tax justice. Workers and average citizens now bear more than their fair share of the tax burden. But this is not true of many wealthy individuals and large corporations. Oil companies, for example, now enjoying fantastic profits, pay taxes at a far smaller rate than a family whose total earnings are 16000 a year. Exxon, to take one case, paid federal income taxes in 1973 at a rate of only 5.4%. The family earning 16000 a year pays at the rate of 12.8%. We in the labor movement are willing to shoulder our fair share of taxes, but we are not willing to pay the taxes for millionaires and oil companies. We think they ought to pay their own, pay their own fair share. We believe in tax justice, and we hope the Congress elected on Tuesday will provide it at long last. We believe, too, in the maximum possible safety on the job for all workers. Most Americans probably are not aware of the daily slaughter and maiming of workers at the workplace, or of the unseen gases and dust that rob workers of their breath and often their very life. Every year, more than 14,000 workers are killed on the job, and 2.4 million are injured in factories, mines, and on construction sites. Yet in this year of 1974, there is still strong opposition in Congress to effective enforcement of the occupational safety and health legislation. We want job safety laws enforced, and we hope to help elect a Congress that will do just that. We want a program of health security for every American, funded in the same manner as the successful Social Security program. Right now, the cost of health care is the fastest rising item on the consumer price index. Every American deserves the best possible health care, and no American should have to go bankrupt to get it. We believe a national health security program is the answer. Finally, and above all, we want an economy that is healthy and growing, that provides full employment at decent wages for all people, without runaway inflation, without prohibitive interest rates, without today's fears that every worker shares that the job he leaves tonight might be gone by morning, or that the wage he earns this week might not meet next week's prices. Everything I have mentioned can be achieved by the Congress that Americans will elect next Tuesday if candidates committed to these goals are the victors. Senator Jacob Javits is one of those candidates. He has been endorsed by the representatives of some two million working people, citizens of New York State. They know Senator Javits well. He is their friend. He has gone to bat time and again for them, for the poor and the aged, for better education, for human rights, for all Americans. He knows what the real issues are, the economy, jobs, job safety, health care, housing, education, human rights, the environment, plentiful energy at reasonable cost. 
and he will be fighting the people's fight on all these issues. So on November 5th, I urge all workers and their families to vote for the re-election of Senator Jacob Javits. With your vote for Senator Javits, and with all the other COPE-endorsed candidates, we can help make the lives of all Americans better, their futures more secure. Time for the preceding five-minute program period has been paid for by the New York State AFL-CIO Committee of Political Education to present a recorded address by George Meany, President, AFL-CIO. This is WOR New York and RKO General Station at the WOR time signal exactly 10 o'clock.